And he said, yes. And we had a blast. I didn't realize when I returned home just how important and significant that experience would be for me personally. So just to give you a, a quick thing, the guy standing up in the back with the long oars, that was our guide, Henry. Uh, we went down uh, a gorge, so there were mountains and rocky hills on both sides of the river or the stream, and it wasn't that uh, uh, broad. I could have swam from one side to the other, um, just to sort of give you a, a, a sense of uh, what it looked like. Shortly after I returned home, the Holy Spirit began to speak to me about Henry and the role he assumed on that raft trip. But more importantly, the Spirit began to speak to me about our interaction and our response to Henry's role. We recognized Henry's knowledge, insight, and understanding of rafting was far superior to ours. But it wasn't enough just for us to recognize that truth. We had to acknowledge it. We had to acknowledge that truth by yielding and submitting to his authority, to his judgment, to his instruction, to his insight, his guidance and direction. This acknowledgement began with us tentatively giving all our focus and attention to him as he gave instructions, even as we were riding the bus to the launch site. The initial instructions told us what to do if we fell out of the raft or if the raft would slip, and it was a real possibility. We were not promised an injury-free experience. In fact, we signed waivers saying that if anything happened, it was on us. But Henry did prepare us for all the ifs. Henry determined the path that we took as we went down the river, watching and reading the river, pointing out as we went the difficulties and dangers that laid, and navigating us around them or through them. We all had a great time, and I loved it, and I'm hooked, and I'd love to go again. But what made this journey so enjoyable and safe was our absolute trust in Henry and our decision to follow his judgment, his guidance and direction based on that truth. For that reason, we allowed Henry to assume the role as guide and submit to his authority on the journey. And I was thinking about role of the Holy Spirit in our lives. I could enjoy that trip because really Henry was in a sense responsible for our safety and I expected him to do what he needed to do to keep us safe. It's not that anybody wouldn't fall out of the raft because there was someone who didn't fall out of our raft, but the, the raft that we were going down with, we went down in pairs, um, somebody fell out of their raft. 
it was a possibility. Henry said the week before, a raft flipped, and the guy broke two fingers, and we were like, oh. And he was like, hey, she made out really well. It could have been so much worse. Do we allow the Holy Spirit to guide us through this life? That's the question I've been, been sort of sitting with. Because the truth is, something is always guiding or leading us. We are following something. The question is, is it the Holy Spirit? Or are we following flesh? What we can see and what we can hear, what we can feel, smell, taste, right? The flesh works through the senses. Is it our emotions? I spent a lifetime following emotions. There's one thing Pastor Keenan always says to me, Vicki, calm down. Calm down. So I'd like to begin with uh, Romans 8, 1 through 4, and I'm reading in the Amplified uh, Bible, which I don't usually do because it can be quite wordy. But for this one, we're going to use the Amplified. I'm going to read all the way through the scripture, and then I'll kind of expound on it, except for the first verse. I'm going to stop there. It says, therefore, there is no condemnation, no, guilt, uh, no guilty verdict, no punishment for those who are in Christ Jesus, who believe in him as their personal Lord and Savior. There is no condemnation, none. There is no condemnation. There's no guilty verdict. There's no punishment for us who are in Christ Jesus. Now, if you're not in him, you're still carrying the weight of guilt and punishment upon you. But for those who are in Christ Jesus, he paid the price. He took upon our guilt and our punishment. And he declared, you are righteous. And now there's no condemnation. Now there is one who accuses us. There is one who accuses the brethren, and scripture says, that's the devil. That's, the sa that's Satan. But we know he's a liar. Because that has all been paid for. That has, you, you and I have been released from all guilt. All shame. And the penalty of sin and death. Through Jesus. He accomplished that for us. For the law of the spirit of life, which is in Christ Jesus, the law of our new being has set us free from the law of sin and death. The law of the Spirit is life. We have been born again by the Holy Spirit. For what the law could not do 
That is, to overcome sin and remove its penalty and its power, being weakened by the flesh, that's man's nature without the Holy Spirit, God did for us. What we could not do for ourselves. We couldn't remove the penalty. We couldn't remove the power of sin that it had over our lives. We were weakened. But God did it. He sent his own son in the likeness of sinful man as an offering for sin. And he condemned sin in the flesh. He subdued it and overcame it in the person of his own son so that the just so that the righteous and the just requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not live our lives in the ways of the flesh, guided by worldliness in our sinful nature, but live our lives in the ways of the Spirit, guided by his power. This is what got so seared on me when I came back. The fact that, yes, we have been born again of the Spirit, and the, and the Scripture says that he dwells within us. He united himself. We are bonded together. We're not going through this alone. It's not like he said, okay, I've given you life. Well, good luck. He is just like Henry. He is guiding us through. He's leading us. You know, uh, uh, when we went through the rapids, it was so easy to see that, you know, heads up, pay attention, because the water was turbulent, you know, and the raft was shifting and moving. But there were areas that Henry pointed out that looked on the surface to be absolutely still and calm. We went by this one part, and it was determined by how the landscape moved. When the, when the land, the, the mountain, the rock jetted out into the river, it changed somehow the current and the flow of the water underneath the surface so we couldn't see. And so Henry, the first spot we went by, Henry said, we call that the ring of hell because when you get in there, you can't get out. When the raft would get in this part uh, of the river where the land came out and kind of turned, somehow that water swirled in such a way that once the raft got in there, the power, the, the current, kept you, the raft sort of stuck there. And so he said, we're going to avoid that area. We would have known nothing about it. There was nothing with our eyes that we could have seen. But because of his knowledge, his insight, his understanding, he knew enough to say, we're going to stick to the right side of the river here. Well, what are the things in our lives that we don't see coming that the Holy Spirit is speaking to us, to that inner part of us and telling us, stay away from this area. This area is going to cause you problems. Here's the great news. If we should happen to get in there, we know that Jesus will help us get out. He's already done it. That's the good news. But here's the, here's the thing. We don't have to go there. It, 
the Holy Spirit has been given to us to lead us and guide us and to help us get through uh, safely. So we don't have to get into those pitfalls. It's not just a spiritual thing. It's, you, you know, Mark was praying earlier, and he said, he was saying about, Lord, help us with our finances. You know, uh, the Holy Spirit helps me and he guides me so that I can be a better wife, a better mother. I can be a better grandparent so, so that I can live a holy, righteous life, an abundant life, because that's what Jesus came to give us. You know, we're not just going through uh, uh, climbing and crawling. Used to, used to, when I thought I had to do it under my own power, my own steam, my own might, my own sufficiency, which was never enough. But I don't have to anymore. Scripture says that in our weakness, the, uh, uh, that's where the Holy Spirit meets us. He comes into our weakness, and then it says, uh, he intercedes on our behalf. Not according to what we may want, but according to what we need, according to God's will for our lives. He says, listen, i got a plan for your life. I know what it is, and I will help you get there. Why are you guessing? Why are you guessing? I'm going to pick on my son Jerry, and I, and I talked about him last time. He quit his job, but it was an emotional thing, and I couldn't tell him at the time because I've got a little wisdom now, and I just let that be. But I knew. He said, oh, it was a God thing. I'm thinking, nope, that was not God. It was pure emotion and anger. But the one thing he did do, I said, Jerry, whatever you do, you got to leave on a good note. So he wrote a, a, a note to his boss. He wrote it to a note to HR. He sent it out thanking them for the opportunity uh, to work there and, and just saying that, you know, he was just tired and run down and he just couldn't work the hours that were needed any longer. This week, his boss called and asked him, would he like to come back? And this is what Jeremy said. I have made so many mistakes this year. I quit that job, which was with a good company. When he took the next job, he had no paycheck coming in. He had a brand new house that he had to pay for, and he had to take the first thing that came. He lost his benefits. He lost his 401k. He, there was so much he lost. Following flesh. And what I'm saying is a, it's a prime example of if we will just, as Pastor King would say, calm down. Take a moment to listen to the Spirit because he's guiding and leading us. He's, he says, God says, I have a plan for your life, and it's not for destruction. I came to give you life, a life with hope and a future. And we can navigate through this life in every season. Through the Holy Spirit leading us, teaching us, counseling us, comforting us, strengthening us. That's what he does. But we have to be in fellowship with him. The one thing when I came back from this rafting trip, it was like, oh man, Vicki, you're meant to be in fellowship, in partnership, 
in union with. Doing nothing by yourself. I am standing beside you. I am with you and I am in you. And this is a journey that is meant to be done together in the power of the Holy Spirit. If we live by the Spirit, we have to walk by the Spirit. We have to be led by the Spirit. Not some of the time, not some of the time where we go back and we, and we holler, oh, I made a mess, could you fix it now? No, 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 no. We don't have to go through that road. Will he? Absolutely. He says, my arm's not too short to save. Whatever you get yourself into, I will reach down and I will pull you up. And Kel preached last time, and he talked about consequences. But in the natural, sometimes there's consequences for the choices we make. But if you follow the Spirit, you can avoid so much of that. It's the way we're meant to go through. Ephesians 1, 17 through 21. And this is um, done in the NIV. Paul says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him I pray that the eyes of your hearts might be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. The riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. He says that power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and he seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. It is far above all rule, authority, power, dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. I am looking at this prayer and, and, and I'm praying, you know, all he's asking us is to really grasp, to have revelation, to have the spirit who brings revelation, to uncover, to pull back so that we can see what is ours in Christ Jesus. He just wants us to understand the great hope that we've been called to. He wants us to understand the wealth, the glorious riches that are in Christ Jesus, that are at our disposal. He's not asking that he, he give us those things. They're ours already. He's just asking that the Spirit would begin to help us. to enable us. That same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is living in us. 
that same power and that same might is living in us. He's asking that the Spirit would continue to just help us know him better. He's asking that the Holy Spirit would uncover that which is hidden, those deep mysteries that only the Spirit can reveal. Only the Spirit knows the deep things of God. Only the Spirit knows the mind of God. You can't know it in the flesh. You can't know it with the natural man. You can't see the kingdom of God without the Spirit. You can't enter it without the Spirit. And that's what he's saying. If you just would move, Holy Spirit, give them revelation, give them wisdom, wisdom so we can understand it and we know how to apply it to our lives. If we don't apply it to our lives, man, that would be like giving a a million dollars to someone who doesn't have a penny. But if they never used it, every once in a while you read about somebody who, who lived homeless, and they turned out to be a millionaire. That magnificent, that mighty power that is working in us. And I think, you know, am I still trying to do it under my own scheme? Am I still trying to do it under my own efforts? Scripture says it's not by might and it's not by power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord. Let's think about Jesus' life. Because if we're going to look at somebody, right? So here's what we know about Jesus. Every prophecy ever made about Jesus, about the Messiah coming in the future, was done through the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus was anointed at his baptism by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit came down and remained on him. That's what John the Baptist said. I saw it. The Spirit led him out into the wilderness for 40 days to be tempted. Scripture says he was tempted in every way that we are, and yet he did not sin. The only thing the world can throw at us Lust of the eye, lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. He was tempted in every way we are. Overcame by the power of the Holy Spirit. It says from from there he went back out and he went to Galilee and he went full of the Spirit. Every healing he did, the casting out of demons, All the miracles done by the power of the Holy Spirit working through his life because he lived down here like you and me. As a man. The resurrection done through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, if Jesus needed the Holy Spirit to accomplish the Father's will, 
to accomplish the work that he had set apart for him, how much more do we? If we are going to reach our full potential to accomplish all that the works that have been set aside that only uniquely you can do, we're going to need the Holy Spirit. I think about this. Jesus knew their hearts because of the Holy Spirit. Jesus knew their thoughts because of the Holy Spirit. Jesus knew they were trying to trick him and trap him because of the Holy Spirit. You see, when our relationship deepens, when our union, when we yield more fully and we listen more intently, at the beginning you have to listen very intently. In the beginning you're kind of like, well, is that the spirit or not? But the longer you, you listen, the longer you respond, and yes, through trial and error sometimes, we learn to recognize the voice of the Spirit, the movement of the Spirit, he begins to uh, uh, do more through us. So don't be surprised when you're standing across the room and you hear somebody's thoughts. Or you're standing across the room and you hear people engaged and they're talking about you and there's no way you could have heard with your natural ears. Don't be surprised when somebody pops, I call it pops in your spirit, when uh, an image flashes of uh, it's the Holy Spirit. Sometimes it's somebody hearing you and you need to pray for that person. Sometimes it's somebody you don't even know, but you still, as the body of Christ, will call for support and to pray for that person who's going through and you're their hope. These are the things that the Holy Spirit wants to do. It's on a new level. In um, 1 Corinthians 2, and I said I'm not going there, <laughs> um, he, uh, Paul expounds, and he says, when I first came, I didn't rely on eloquent words or human rhetoric and all that stuff. I, 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 I preached about nothing more, good, I preached about nothing more than Jesus cru and, and him crucified. That, that's all I talked about. And I kept it plain and I kept it simple for this reason. Because I wanted your faith to rest, not on the wisdom of men, but on the wisdom, the power of the Holy Spirit. But a little bit further, he says, but for the mature, we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. You got me there, I'm going. And then we'll, I'll end with that. Did I throw out my paper? Oh, I certainly did. Okay, do you got me, Katrina? Um, can you, I don't know. <laughs> can you start at one and I'm just going to pop us through quickly until we get where I want to be. He says, so it was with me, brothers and sisters, when I came to you, I did not come with uh, eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. 
He's saying, I need you to get this. This is the foundation. If you don't get this part, that Jesus came and he took on flesh and he died, he paid the price, you don't have to do it anymore. He's done it for you. Nothing else is going to matter. This is foundational. If we don't have this, I think sometimes we try to give people wisdom and they don't have this. And it don't make no sense. This comes first. It's foundational. That's why he said, this is all I'm going to speak about. Okay, sorry. Uh, I came to you in weakness with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with the wise and persuasive words, but with the demonstration of the Spirit's power. So that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. Man, that's powerful. We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we declare God's wisdom a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. However, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him. These are the things God has revealed to us by his spirit. Those great mysteries, those, the, the things that God has prepared that we can't even conceive, we can't even imagine. But it, it gets all revealed through the spirit. The spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. He searches all things. He knows your heart. He knows where you're weak. He knows where you're crying out. He knows what you need. He sees your life in full. He knows where you're going. He knows where you've been. Sometimes our past is like fog. And when it's heavy and it's thick, we can't see beyond it. It just, it, it makes it impossible to see. But the Holy Spirit, and believe me, we, we don't have to, it, Jesus paid for that. We don't have to be burdened by that anymore. Right? We read that at the first. There's no condemnation. All that's been taken care of. And yet sometimes, for some reason, we choose to just still cling to that. And it hinders us. But the Holy Spirit knows that. He knows the totality. So even when we don't know ourselves what we need, he does. Sometimes I'll go for, for a long stretch and then all of a sudden I break down and I just bawl and cry. And I can't even tell you why. But I know the Holy Spirit knows. Sometimes I don't know and it's when I'm talking with somebody else and then I'm, uh, when I'm done I'm like, man, I didn't even know I was carrying all that. The Holy Spirit does. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. 
what we have received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely, freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness, cannot understand them because they are discerned through the Spirit. Don't you know when you're following the Spirit, sometimes people look at you like, are you crazy? That don't make no sense. That's okay. That's okay. The person with the Spirit makes judgments about all things, but such a person is not subject to merely human judgments. The person with, whoops, the person with the Spirit makes judgments about all things. Because you're not judging from a human standpoint. We, we, we better judge things. We better lean on the spirit. Is this a good, good decision for my family? Is this a good direction? Is this where you're calling me? You know, uh, I don't have it, and, and, um, and I'm going to, uh, honestly, I'm going to end soon. Um, with Acts 16, 1 through 6, don't go there. Uh, but I'm going to tell you this, that there are two towns that Paul tried to go in to preach the word. It's a good thing. And yet the Spirit blocked him. The Spirit blocked him. So he went down to Troas, or however you pronounce it. Now you know why I didn't go there and read it. Uh, and this is what... Um, happened at night he had a vision from a man from Macedonia northern part of Greece who said to him who begged him come to us come to us now I don't know why and I don't know that Paul knows why the spirit held him up from going in the other areas but he did you see even things that look good that doesn't necessarily mean that that's where God is leading and calling us We need the Spirit, and we need to follow the Spirit's leading. And he, I think he is, in a sense, crying out. There is so much more I want to do in and through you, but I can't unless you unite yourself so with me that every move you made is determined by me is guided by me, is directed by me, is led by me. You see, I will navigate you through the waters of life. I will put you where I need you to be to fulfill the things that have been ordained for you to accomplish long ago. I will put you there uh, uh, to be there for those who need you. Did you ever walk in some place and, and, 
and all of a sudden there's somebody that you just have to minister to. You're the only person there. God will move you and he will use you. closing and I'm closing with this honestly I am closing and I'm closing with this if I can find it I really am if Jesus needed the Holy Spirit how much more do we this is not a full list but this is a short list of what the Spirit does he brings us to rebirth he sanctifies our soul producing his fruit in us here's the thing uh the Holy Spirit sanctifies us. It's his work. You know, he will convict us of wrongdoing. Not condemn, convict us. He will convince us. And he does it when the time is right. Let him do the work. He leads us to do what uh, is righteous and Christ-like. And he leads us away from that which is of the flesh. He moves us to care and to reach out to others in the love of Christ. He empowers us to be witnesses for Christ. Uh, the Spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. He strengthens us in our weakness, intercedes uh, for us according to God's will. He places the desire, even the desire, to do God's will. God give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incredible great power for us who believe. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.